Well, kia ora everyone, and welcome along to Seeds Podcast. I did a little article for the spinoff recently, and I thought I'd read it to you. It's all about the TV show Captain Planet and the Planeteers, and you can find a link to the article in the show notes. Children of the late 1980s and early 1990s had a number of iconic cartoons to choose from. There was Transformers, He-Man, Gummy Bears, My Little Pony, Danger Mouse, Inspector Gadget, Care Bears. After school, we were set for entertainment in an era before the internet and our own personal devices. These shows were colorful, had catchy theme songs, and fantastical plotlines. This year is the 30th anniversary of a show which burst onto that crowded cartoon scene but was very, very different. That show was Captain Planet and the Planeteers. I remember watching this as a kid, and even then realizing it had a different heartbeat than the others. It sought to promote a responsible approach to our environment a few decades ahead of its time. It was an unusual show in a number of very interesting ways. For example, the villains were bad in a different way to other evil characters like Megatron, Skeletor, or Dr. Claw. Instead, these characters usually represented corporate business who had profit-driven motives. The greed and self-interest they portrayed was a negative thing in an era focused on profits and Wall Street success. The pollution-creating villains had names that gave them away, like Loot and Plunder, Hoggish Greedly, and Verminous Scum. The good characters were a multi-ethnic group of young teenagers who stopped them with the help of Captain Planet. The wide variety of characters meant that everyone watching would have someone they could identify with. They came from all over the planet, North America, Eastern Europe, Asia, South America. Their leader was Kwame from Africa, well before Black Lives Matter. The mythology is important to understand as it helps explain the tone. The spirit of the planet, Gaia, who's voiced by Whoopi Goldberg in the first seasons, brings together five young people who are each given a ring that has the power to summon the elements, earth, wind, fire, water, and perhaps the most powerful, heart. The plotline was consistent each episode with the planeteers helping take down the evil villains who want to pollute and destroy the environment by combining their powers to summon Captain Planet. The theme song further set the scene, and I know some of you are going to get this stuck in your heads again. Combined, I am Captain Planet. Captain Planet, he's a hero. Gonna take pollution down to zero. He's a power magnified, and he's fighting on the planet side. It went on to have a pseudo rapping chanting section, which went like this We're the Planeteers, you can be one too. Cause saving our planet is the thing to do. Looting and polluting is not. So let's get below the surface. The show is an early example of edutainment. So is it all some good fun and environmental profile raising to save the day? Overall, and with childhood memories of watching this, I would say yes. But as an adult, if you pull back from the catchy theme song, you find the pet project of billionaire media mogul Ted Turner. That raises some questions, such as why was it that the most famous names mainly appeared in the first seasons only? Did they get disillusioned with the motives for the show? Some of those involved included Meg Ryan, Jeff Goldblum, Sting, Neil Patrick Harris, and Martin Sheen. A cynic might wonder if the show might have been an example of greenwashing, a show to entertain kids while selling advertising space that just used the angle of protecting the environment. 
Ted Turner appeared in an episode called Who's Running the Show? as an environment-friendly media mogul named Fred Lerner. Get it? Ted Turner, Fred Lerner. The character became a strong ally for Captain Planet and dedicated TV programming to the environment. The character looks a great deal like Ted himself. Personally, I would look at it with a generous perspective and say it had a net positive impact in getting children to at least think about important issues like pollution, recycling, and our own impacts on the planet. Having said that, and reflecting on it now, the young people use their rings with good intentions, but in the end, every episode is resolved by summoning Captain Planet. It's like an adult has to come in to solve the big problems. Perhaps it would have been more interesting and empowering if sometimes the young people were able to solve the day on their own. It also oversimplifies the entire issues being discussed by assuming that they can be solved within a 20-minute plotline. There are gray areas, and the people involved are not caricatures like they are portrayed here. So what about the legacy? The show had a fairly long life and ran for six seasons until 1996, with Captain Planet saving the environment for 113 episodes. Over the years, there have been rumors that a feature-length movie might emerge, some with a theory that Leonardo DiCaprio was looking at a reboot. While there are currently no plans, it wouldn't surprise to one day see a reboot in the line of Transformers, Scooby-Doo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Pokemon, Power Rangers, or the Smurfs. Mining the nostalgia of childhood can be lucrative, as is shown by other mainstream reboots like Star Wars. The show comes up in other pop culture locations like some funnier die sketches with Don Cheadle as Captain Planet. One of the main legacies for now that you may not know about, apart from the reruns, is the Captain Planet Foundation, which was set up in 1991 and runs Ocean Heroes, Project Learning Garden, and Project Hero. Their website talks about empowering next-generation changemakers, They give out grants to programs that get children out into the environment, explained more in a video on their website. The mission is stated in the most recent financial statements, and it says, to fund and support hands-on environmental projects for children and youth. The objective is to encourage innovative programs that empower children and youth around the world to work individually and collectively to solve environmental problems in their neighborhoods and communities. Through environmental education, Captain Planet Foundation, Inc., believes that children can achieve a better understanding and appreciation for the world in which they live. According to the public records they published on their site, they most recently had around U.S. $2 million in donations, with about the same amount in expenses. The current chair is Laura Turner Seidel, Ted Turner's daughter. It all seems to be very sincere and in earnest, and I side with anything that promotes being more responsible about our planet as being worthy of encouragement. So where are we left with the legacy question? For me, having been one of those kids of the 1990s who watched dozens of episodes of this show, I think it played a positive role for many in my generation. It's actually with a twinge of sadness that I remember it, because clearly we did not get things right, and the environment is in need of even more help today. While it may be a bit cheesy on reflection, at least the show is trying to address some of the bigger issues we face and making the point that we are all living on one planet. That message, that we should all do our part as planeteers, is needed now more than ever. So that's the end of the article, and if you go in the show notes, you can click, and there's links to the various things that are described in there as well. Um, If you're somebody who remembers the show, then why not share this episode with a friend of yours who might remember it as well, or consider posting it on social media. It's a great way to support Seeds by getting messages out about the show And I know this episode was a bit different because normally I'm interviewing inspiring people, but the aim here is really about purpose and asking deeper questions about how we're using our lives. And this is one example. Until next time.